Heavenly Father, thank you to the frontliners for caring for, for protecting, and serving our communities, our families, and us. Thank you for these servant leaders. Lord, your word says that if you want to be the greatest one, then live as one called to serve others. Thank you that these frontline workers serve uh, for the sake of your glory. Lord, I pray that you would protect them from harm, that you would give them courage and strength. Draw close, Lord, and let them feel your presence throughout the long hours that they work. Father, please provide for everything that they need, both for the people that they are serving and for their loved ones. Surround them with people who will help them and support them and their families, even as they selflessly care for others. You said that we would face troubles in this world, but also that you've overcome those troubles. So please work together with our frontliners. Lord, ultimately bring about the best possible outcome. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It is awesome to be able to open God's word this morning uh, as we've been continuing to study in Genesis. And we've made it all the way to Genesis uh, chapter 27 here this morning. The point for this morning is that every family needs Jesus. Now, I first want to define family. Family can be a single person. It can be one person. That could be a family unit. Or a family unit could be uh, a family with a bunch of kids and grandkids. It could be a large and anything in between. So when I say family, it applies to each and every one of us. And every family has issues. You know that? I need you to participate a little bit this morning and, and just help me out and tell me if you think that the families I put on the screen have issues, okay? So here's the first family. Uh, do you think they have issues? Do you? Okay. How about the second family? Do they have issues? Yeah, that mom is looking pretty plain compared to her children there. And then what, what, about, this, what about this crazy family? Do they have issues? <laughs> You guys were louder about my family than the crazy kid with the mohawk. All right, awesome. Well, it is true. Uh, we do have issues. We all have issues. And every family needs Jesus. And that, that's why we need to run to Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at a family that has lots and lots of issues. We're going to be looking at the story of Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau. And in this story, you're going to see all of them sin. They all sin against the Lord in, in one chapter, in one story here. They all sin against God. And it's really clear in the Bible as you go through the Bible, and it's really clear in our life too, especially honoring the frontline workers here this morning. Uh, you guys know that there's sin in the world. I don't have to convince any of you that there's sin in the world. And all of us sin, all of us fall short. There is only one perfect person. The Bible points to that perfect person, and that's Jesus. But each and every one of us we have issues. And this morning, you're going to see this family that desperately needs Jesus. And I hope it inspires us to run to Jesus. I hope it, it gives us an action point that we'll run to Jesus because we realize that we all have issues. And our family has issues. And we desperately need Jesus. In Genesis 25 that we looked at a couple of uh, weeks ago, we saw the birth of Jacob and Esau, and even in the womb they were wrestling with each other, and, and Esau was the firstborn, but Jacob was holding on to his heel and actually ends up uh, getting his birthright from Esau, who Esau gives away his birthright because he's hungry and wants some of that red chili stew that, uh, that Jacob serves him, and, and so he gives away his birthright. 
of the firstborn. And that would have been a huge deal to give away all of the things that would have been coming his way, all the inheritance that he would have received uh, from Isaac, which would have been uh, a lot of inheritance. Very rich person Isaac was. And so now we see uh, what happens as the birthright plays out here in this story in Genesis chapter 27. You'll see here that, that Jacob doesn't earn any of his blessings. It's not like he has his, his life together and he's living some godly life. That's why God blesses him. And I think that gives us so much hope as people that are sinners, people that fall short, that we don't have to earn our blessings from God. Isn't that great? Amen? Isn't that great that we don't have to earn our blessings from God? It's so many other religious beliefs systems believe that you have to earn your way to God's favor, but not with Christianity. It's by grace alone through faith alone. Jesus can love a guy like Jacob. That means there's hope for me, and there's hope for you too. And so we start here with, with some of Jacob's mistakes right before uh, Genesis chapter 27, the last two verses of Genesis chapter 26. So when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Bri, the Hittite. So he's marrying someone that's outside of his belief system. The Hittites would not have had the, the Lord as their God. And so he's marrying someone outside of his belief system, which already is not a good idea. And then he doubles down. He knows that God's plan for marriage is monogamy, but he then also marries Basemath, daughter of Alon, also a Hittite. So he doubles down, marries two Hittite women, and they were a source of grief for Isaac and Rebekah. So you see Jacob making poor choices. And now we see the, the blessing of the birthright come into fruition. And notice all of the sins that happen here. Notice how much they need Jesus. And uh, as we go through these verses, uh, verse by verse, you'll see how much they need the Lord. We'll take it a few verses at a time and I'll talk about it. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak and he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. Isaac is well over 100 years at this point, so his eyesight is going. Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, Now I'm an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver, your bow. Go out into the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat. So I might give you my blessing before I die. This is really interesting here. He always loved Esau more than, than Jacob because Esau was the hunter. Jacob was kind of the mama's boy that stayed back in the tents and did some, uh, did some cooking. He, he didn't like to go out into the wild. And here is Jacob uh, with some carnal nature here saying, I want that tasty food before I die. If you give me some of that, I'll give you a blessing. He's, he's doing things that are opposite from the gospel already. He's saying to Esau, if you go out and do this, I will give you the blessing. He also knows what has happened. And so he knows that Esau gave away his birthright. He knows what God's plan is, is to give Jacob the birthright. But he goes against what God uh, wanted. He goes against uh, what God's will is. And he decides to give the blessing to the one uh, that he loves. He goes against God's plan. Is that a good idea? No, it's, it's never a good idea to go against God's plan. In fact, in the Shorter Catechism, question 11, it says, what are God's works of providence? And listen to what it says here. It's an awesome definition. 
It says the works of God's providence are his most holy, wise, powerful, preserving, and governing of all the creatures and their action. Are we his creatures? Are we? Do you see what it says about us? That he has a holy, wise, powerful, preserving, and governing plan over all of our lives. Isn't that awesome? That he's a holy and awesome God, and his plans are so much better than our plans, but so often, I don't know if you guys do this, but I do this all the time, is I step in, and I think my plans are going to be the way that, are, that it's going to go. I know better than God. You know how ridiculous that is? But when we're in the moments with our pride and with trying to take action, we take steps to, to go against what God says. It says even further, this isn't up on the screen, but in the Westminster Confession in chapter uh, 5 in section 3, it says about, about God's providence and his plan, it says, God in his ordinary prov- providence makes use of means. That is, that even though God rules the world by his decree, he uses means or instruments, sometimes our wills, our choices, uh, yet is free to work without. That means that God can work on his own. He can work directly. He can work miraculously. He can work without our actions. God is in control all of the time. But Isaac loved Esau. He loved tasty, gamey food, and he decided to take the plans into his own mind, in his own hands. And he asked Esau to go out and do something that's against God. Listen, if you ever find yourself in a position where you're tempted to go against what God's word says, let me just tell you from experience, run from that. Don't do it. It's never going to result in something that's going to be profitable. Just trust me in that. When you're being tempted to go against what God's word is, when you're being tempted to go against God's plan for your life, when you know that God has ordained you to do something, when you know that God has told you to do something, when you see it confirmed in his word, and you're tempted to run against it, don't fall into that temptation. That's why we gather here on Sunday morning, and we're gathering in small group, and we have people praying for each other, because we know how hard it is to stand up against that temptation. Because the evil one tempts us, and he's been tempting the same way from the beginning, to say, God doesn't know the best way, you know the best way, go and do it your way. And, and the evil one doesn't change his, his ways, because it works. Because we fall into that temptation all of the time. And here Isaac is, is falling into that temptation. Well, Rebecca ain't having any of that because she loves Jacob. So Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game, prepare me some tasty food to eat, so I might give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully to what, and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock, bring me two choice young goats, so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way that he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Isn't this an awesome family? Yeah. <laughs> All trusting each other, right? Now, here's Rebecca listening in, and then she comes up with this plan, and her problem fundamentally is spiritual because she also knows what the plan that God has. The plan is to give Jacob the blessing. That's what God is going to do, 
That's what we see in, in the last couple of chapters. Es- uh, gave away his birthright. The birthright's going to Jacob, but what does Rebecca not do? She doesn't trust God. So here we have Isaac not trusting God and telling Esau to do something. And then here we have Rebecca not trusting God, telling Jacob to do something. Every family needs Jesus, right? I mean, here is this family desperately in need to follow God because on their own, they are making a mess. It continues on. Jacob said to his, to his mother, Rebecca, but my brother, is, my brother Esau is a hairy man. And I'm a man of smooth skin. So he, he realizes there's a problem. doesn't matter how great the food is. He's going to touch his hand and realize, uh, this is the smooth boy, not the hairy boy. <laughs> what if my father touches me? It appeared to be tricking him, and I would bring down a curse on, on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and bring them to me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her son, which she had had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She does this because she wants Jacob to smell like Esau. This is a man that's out in the country, the man that's hunting. It would have had a distinct smell. And she also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Just picture this, Okay. Just picture this. This is crazy. This is crazy. They are going so far with their own plans. When I started reading this, I started laughing. Because I'm like, look at all these things that they're doing to go against what God's plan is. And then immediately, as soon as I thought that, I was convicted. I was convicted. Because I think so many times in my own life, I just come up with all of these plans, all of these things. And maybe I'm not taking goat skins and putting them on them, but I'm doing all kinds of things to cover up my sin. All kinds of things. Immediately convicted. Maybe you're a little convicted too. That every family needs Jesus. And maybe you're not coming up with a plan ridiculous like this, but maybe there's another way that you're going against God and you realize you need to run his way instead of your own way. She handed them to her son, Jacob, and tasty food and the bread that she had made. He went into his father and said, My father? Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? It's, uh, it's Esau. I'm Esau. Yeah, that's it. You're firstborn. I've done as you told me. I have no idea what Esau sounds like, but he had to change his voice, right? I mean, his, his, his voice would have sounded similar enough to his brothers. If you have a sibling, uh, that sometimes they sound similar enough. But he would have known his voice, so he had to change his voice. And, and, and he's going forward with this plan. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac said to his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? So already Isaac is thinking, man, that guy went out quick. Got, got a good kill, came back, cooked it, it's ready to go? Hmm, what's going on here? Listen to what he says next. The Lord your God gave me success. Oof. Man, come on, Jacob. Now he's blaspheming the Lord. Now that he's taking this plan to a whole nother level. Every family needs Jesus. These guys need Jesus. 
Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son. Know whether you really are my son, Esau, or not. Jacob went close to his father who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. First of all, Esau must have been really hairy. I mean, put on goat skins and he's feeling he's like, yeah, that's my son Esau. I mean, what's going on here? He did not recognize him for his hands are hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? Isn't it interesting when we do a plan that goes against God, oftentimes we find ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper in a hole. You ever done that before? Have you? Am I the only one? Okay, good. I thought you guys had your whole life together and I'm the only one that's suffering up here. Yeah, you get deeper and deeper into a hole when you sin. And so now he's asking him directly, are you my son Esau? And what a cringeworthy moment right here. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate. He brought some wine and he drank. Then his father said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. Then Isaac caught the smell of his clothes and blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you, may God give of, of heaven's dew, of earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. Those who curse you will be cursed and those who bless you will be blessed. There it is. He gives them the blessing. Now, he was going to get the blessing anyway because it was God's plan, but we had to have all of this mass happen. Everyone had to take it in their own hands, and he gives this blessing that was spoken over uh, to him just like uh, the blessing was given to Abraham. And this blessing is, is passed down to him. They do it all their own way. It's amazing how God works through it all anyway. He works through it. Through all the mess, all the junk, but that mess didn't have to happen if they would have just followed after the Lord, but they did it their own way. God intervenes and, and has it uh, work for his will anyway. And now here comes the real drama. Verse 30. After Isaac had finished blessing him and Jacob had uh, scarcely left his father's presence, immediately after he left his father's presence, here comes Esau in from hunting. And you know he's pumped up. He just got all the stuff he needs for the blessing. He's ready to go. His anticipation is high. His expectations are, are through the roof. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. And he said to him, Father, sit up and eat some of my game so you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently. If you go back to the original Hebrew term here, it's like he was shaking with uncontrollable anger. You ever seen anybody like that? Uh, he was so unbelievably upset. Who was it then that hunted the game and brought it to me? I ate just before he came and I blessed him. And indeed he was blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me too, father, bless me too. But it was too late. It was too late. They weren't following after God, and it was too late. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about this. Just after the chapter in Hebrews 11, where it's the hall of faith, the people that have done great things with their faith, listen to what it says here. It says, see 
see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance and inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what has been done. So often we see people that grew up in the church and maybe our own kids or people that you know that, that knew the truth and have run away from God. We've seen this story play out so many times. That's why we so dearly want to invest in the next generation here at Good News. We want to see the next generation running after Jesus for their entire lives because we've seen this play out time and time again. It's that people grow up in the church, they go off to college, they go off to a job, and they leave the Lord behind. They make their own decisions that go against God. And we see this play out over and over and over again. And so we want to do everything that we can as a church to lay a great foundation in the next generation. I'm so thankful for your generosity so that we can have a great student ministry, so that we can have a great kids ministry, so that the next generation can know about Jesus and go their entire lives worshiping him. So now Esau is, he's pretty upset. Isaac answered Esau, I've made him lord over you and have made all of his relatives his servants and I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. You will... But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Not exactly the blessing that he was expecting. Esau then held a grudge against Jacob because of his blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Wow. That took a real bad turn, didn't it? He's thinking, as soon as my father Isaac dies, I'm going to take care of this guy, his own brother. I'm going to kill him. See what happens here when we don't recognize that we need Jesus? See what happens when we run away from Jesus? See what happens when we do our own plan and our own way? When Rebecca was told that her older son Esau had said, she sent for the younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now that my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay, there, stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother's no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back here. Why should you lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. The last verse just kind of gives a preview to the next chapter. But Rebecca sends Jacob on his way, and it's 20 years that Jacob is gone, and she actually never sees him again. This tangled web of sin. Every family needs Jesus. And so for us, the action step is to run to Jesus. We see what happens when you run away from the Lord. Let's run to Jesus. Let's run to Jesus for forgiveness. Let's run to, for all the ways that uh, we've been forgiven so that we can forgive others. I think we don't realize how much we sin against God. 
we don't realize how much we desperately need God. I need someone this morning who is very bold, very bold, I'm not joking about this, very bold, that will be willing to talk a little bit about their sin and how old they are. Anybody really bold this morning? Anybody? Okay, Tim was already up here. Tim, will you just come down here real quick? Thanks, Tim. Thanks for being bold. All right, Tim. So in this last week, if you just, just have to estimate, you don't have to calculate in your head, how many times this last week would you say you've sinned against God? Just how many times? Just throw it out there. Ten times. Okay. And uh, so that's, we'll just do 52 weeks a year. Uh, and then how old are you? 45. Okay. So that's 2,340 sins against God. Thank you very much, Tim. I really appreciate you admitting your sin in front of everyone. That's awesome, man. I have to assure you, Tim, my number is much higher than yours, brother. Okay? So much higher than yours. I want everyone right now, everyone should have their phone. If you don't, you can do some math in your head. Everyone take out your phone right now. Take out the calculator app if you're home. Take out the calculator app. Go ahead, take out your phone right now, and I want you to do just what I did. I want you to think back this past week. I want you to think about how many times, I'm going to do it with you, how many times that you sinned against God. You did something against him. You, you didn't follow his word. You thought a thought that didn't honor him. I'm going to do it with you, uh, and uh, I'm not going to make anybody else call it out, so you don't have to worry about it. Tim was the only one that had to do that. I'm going to, write, I'm going to put down my number. Okay. All right, and we got the number? All right, so I, it's the amount of times you've sinned this past week times 52 weeks in a year times how old you are. Okay, got that? Some of you guys are trying to skimp, all right? You're trying to skimp. Uh, how many times do you think you've sinned last, last past week times 52 weeks times how old you are? Tim, you came to like 2,300. Uh, mine came to 856,960. That was, uh, that's what came to mind. Do I need forgiveness Whatever your number is, do you need forgiveness? And let me tell you, if your number is under 1,000, let me tell you as your pastor, you're not as good as you think you are. (laughs) But that's good news, though. Because when you realize that you're not as good as you think you are, you realize how amazing the gospel is. We run to Jesus with our sin. We run to him. And we say that we desperately need forgiveness. When we realize how much we've been forgiven, then we can give that forgiveness to others, can't we? When I realize, man, I've been forgiven of thousands of sins against God over and over and over, that I can forgive a brother or sister that wrongs me. I can forgive my spouse if she wrongs me. I forgive my kids if they wrong me. Run to Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Listen, a Christian family is just like any other family. It's a family of sinners. So don't worry if there's conflict or there's problems. There's going to be in a family of sinners. But a Christian family is different because when you sin, you admit it. When you sin, you ask for forgiveness and you look to the word of God and you look to the Holy Spirit for help. Do you notice what this family here in Genesis chapter 27 didn't do? They didn't look for the Lord for help, did they? They took things into their own hands. A Christian family looks for help. So run to Jesus for forgiveness. Then run to Jesus for righteousness. Listen to what it says here in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. It says, Just as though the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made 
righteous. See, when Adam sinned, he passed down that sin nature to each and every one of us. He certainly passed it down to Isaac and, and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau, didn't he? And he passed it down to us too. But when Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for all of our sins, and rose from the dead, when we trust in him, he gives us his righteousness. Isn't that awesome? And all we have to do is admit that we're sinners. All we have to do is admit that we messed up. You guys, each and every one of you did that on the calculator this morning. You all did it. You all recognize that you're sinners. And so you need to either answer for that sin on your own or allow someone else to answer for that sin with his, with his uh, grace and his mercy and give us his righteousness. And I thank God that Jesus did that. So admit that you're a sinner. Believe in him. Commit your life to him. If you'd like to do that this morning, you can do that uh, right in your seat or whether you're at home or here in person. Just tell Jesus you want him to be Lord of your life. And this week we know of two people that profess faith in Christ, the ministry of good news. And so we celebrate that together. It's awesome to see people go from death to life. And we want to see you go from death to life if you've never put your faith and trust in him. So we run to him for forgiveness. We run to him for righteousness. We run to him for power, for strength. We can't do it on our own. We get strength and power from him. The resurrection power exists in our life if we trust in Jesus. Did you hear that? The resurrection power that rose, that rose him from the dead exists in our life. You and I can't resurrect anything on our own. We can't resurrect relationships. We can't resurrect financial problems. We can't resurrect any issue that we have. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can. Because he is mighty, he is holy, he is awesome. So run to Jesus for power. Then run to Jesus for love. Do you ever find it hard to, to love others? Do you? I find it sometimes it's hard to love others. And I'm a true extrovert. I, I love people. But I find it sometimes people are hard to love. And frankly, sometimes I'm hard to love too. Ideas of love are all around us in, in our world, but God's standard is that we're to love God and we're to love one another. That means to love people with all kinds of issues. That means to love people in your family. In fact, right now, I want you to look around. Look around around you right now. I want you to say to someone, I'm supposed to love you. I'm supposed to love you. There you go. There you go. There you go. Some, some, of, you, some of you, it's harder to get those words out of your mouth than others. Well, we're supposed to love each other. We're called to love one another. But sometimes people act like people. Do you notice here in this story? Do you notice what they did on their own? They sinned against each other. And sometimes we do that in our family. And when we do that in our family, it's difficult to love people. And so we need Jesus for his love. Run to him. If we ignore the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life, we'll never be able to truly love people the way that God calls us to love people. Jesus gives us unconditional, crazy love. When we run to him, we realize how much we've been loved, then we can love others. So run to Jesus this week for forgiveness and righteousness and power and love because just like we learned from the story today of Jacob and, and, and Esau and Rebecca and Isaac, every family needs Jesus. That includes you and that includes me. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful you didn't leave us in our mess, 
that we can run to you and get righteousness and power and love and forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that our family is flawed or recognize that we're all flawed, recognize that we desperately need you. So help us to run to you this week. Help us when we're coming up with plans on our own that you would convict us, that you would help us to follow your way, your will, your plan. Lord, I'm so thankful that you are in control. I'm so thankful that you're a sovereign. So thankful that your ways are much better than our ways. And we pray this all in Jesus' name.